welcome to the Wilder Outdoors podcast, where you'll get the inspiration and information you need to have great outdoor adventures with your family. I'm Rob, your host. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. In today's episode, I speak with my friend Nina Maxton, and Nina spends a lot of time in the outdoors, but uh, more importantly, she recently got her certification as a mountain rescuer in Arizona. And so we discuss what that's like, we discuss her journey uh, in the outdoors, but most importantly, we discuss how to be safe uh, in the wilderness, particularly if you're in the Southwest, but I mean, really what she shares can be applied anywhere. So it's a great conversation. Um, Some of the information in there could literally save you or your family's life. So you do not want to miss this. Now, you know, related to this, we've put together at Wilder Outdoor Academy a resource to help you prepare for the unexpected. And essentially what we've done is we've taken, you know, some of the things that Nina's mentioned here, but also some of the things that we've mentioned uh, in other episodes. If you listen to episode three, we share, you know, some of the things that we or I specifically carry when I go out into the outdoors. But we have a free resource of essential gear that you'll want to take out with you every time Uh, you go into the wilderness to keep yourself safe. And so if you'd like to get that, just go to wilderoutdooracademy.com forward slash safety. Again, that's wilderoutdooracademy.com forward slash safety. Now, before we start today's episode, if you could do me a favor and subscribe to this podcast, it would be a huge help. And you know, if at the end you like it, please consider giving it a good review. So with that, let's start today's episode. Hi, everyone. I have with me today Nina Maxton, and Nina is an outdoors woman par excellence. She's fantastic, uh, but she is also a mountain rescuer, and so she's going to talk to us uh, today about that part of her life. So, Nina, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. So, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and your relationship and journey with the outdoors. So, I kind of fell in love with um, trail running. Um, it was, it was a little bit ago, maybe like almost 10 years ago, I started kind of really getting into trail running. It it ended up being kind of like dirt therapy for me. Um, I was going through some stuff in my life and hit the trails and fell in love with it. Started doing some longer ultra running, which is, uh, trail running that's longer than 30 miles. So I did a couple 50 Ks and met some cool people. Um, started backpacking more in the Grand Canyon with with a good friend of mine that I worked with out here in Phoenix. And um, she started going through a search and rescue program up in Coconino County. She lives in Flagstaff now and she had moved up there. She was getting really passionate about it. And I was going on these backpacking trips with her in the Grand Canyon and she's telling me all about it. And I was curious. I was like, well, gosh, we got to have something like that in Phoenix. So I looked into it. I hit up Arizona Hiking Shack because it's like a local hiking store. Um, Asked them if they had any classes. They had like a wilderness survival class that I took from them. And that was super cool. And after that, they mentioned um, Central Arizona Mountain Rescue Association. So They said, hey, you should hit up their monthly meeting. They have a meeting once every month. Uh, So I did that. I I went to the monthly meeting. So that was back in 2021, I believe. I'm trying to remember. Finally hit up that meeting. It was like July 
June, July of that, of that summer. And I went to the meeting, stayed for their little after uh, informational portion where they just talked about how to get involved and found myself signing up to do search and rescue for Maricopa County. Um, didn't have any idea what I was getting into, <laughs> to be totally honest. Like the uh, technical uh, rescue program is 18 months long. And so I started going through the whole process. You've got to get certified with the county and uh, become like a volunteer posse member with Maricopa County. And then you go through the training program and it was 18 months. It was super, super hard and very rewarding. I learned a ton of skills, um, technical rock, wilderness search, alpine, uh, land navigation, swift water, helicopter, short haul, repelling out of a helicopter. Uh, it was insane. It was like the most insane, awesome thing <laughs> I've ever done. And the culmination of this um, program, this training program, is you do this weekend called trials, rescue trials, where you've taken all the skills that you've learned over 18 months and they test you over three days. And it's like 10 hour days at South Mountain at the end of June in Phoenix. You know, like it's hot, it's terrible. It's It was the hardest thing I've ever done. and. Thankfully, my hard work paid off and I passed and I'm a certified rescue technician with Arizona Mountain Rescue. And yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. I love being part of the team. It's, it's just a really cool way to give back. And I mean, I just can't even trade the, the knowledge that I have now just going through that program. So um, yeah, that's kind of how it all evolved, you know, but I'm, I've always been an avid hiker and just kind of, I continued to hike and do adventures and things even throughout this training program. So I didn't ever really give that up. Even when I was training, I tried to get outside as much as possible and do some fun stuff too, keep the adventure alive. And yeah, so that's kind of, that's, that's the long story long, I think of it. <laughs> oh no, no. It's, that's so interesting. So Right. Like it's, what's really interesting to me is like, you don't have a background in rescue or in, you know, first responder training or anything like that. Right. No, not at all. That was one of the first questions I asked. I was like, you know, do you have to be like an EMT? Do you have to be this or that? You know, like, I don't know anything. I was super green, you know? Um, and they they require you to get your WUFA, which is a wilderness first aid certification, um, during the 18 months. So I did get that. It's a two-day course taught by, like, solo outdoor. It's like a school. Um, really awesome. They just teach you really basic things about uh, first aid in the wilderness and what to do when you don't have, like, a lot of stuff or first aid, you know, things on you. Um, how to treat somebody, hypothermia, uh, all, all of the basic things that you could do to save a life right away, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I, I mean, I was like, am I even qualified to do this? <laughs> <laughs> well, and now you are, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and this isn't your job, right? 
No, it's completely 100% volunteer. Wow. That's awesome. And yeah, I mean, it's funny because, uh, you know, the training that we get is, it's so priceless. Like, I mean, who can say, oh yeah, I rappelled out of a helicopter last weekend. Like (laughs) not a lot of people. So I feel like, yes, I'm giving up a lot of time and yes, I buy my own gear, but the training that I've received through this program is like, I mean, I couldn't trade it, you know, couldn't Mm -hmm. put a price on it. Yeah. Well, and so, I mean, so you were in it for 18 months, right? Which if you started in 2021, right, that should get us into like right now. So when, when did you officially become, you know, certified? Uh, the last weekend of June of this last summer. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I passed trials, uh, the last weekend of June. Wow. Yeah. 2023. So now that you're like officially in it, what does a typical week look like? Um, well, I mean, I work full time, but, and I have kids and stuff, but I, uh, you know, I try to stay involved. Like we do our monthly meetings. We have trainings every third weekend of the month. We do trainings. There's always things to help out with. There's events and, um, we just did like the tower challenge for nine 11. So we had a little group that went and, you know, represented us as first responders and, honored the first responders that perished in 9-11. So that was really neat. Um, Just things like that. And we try to be out in the community too, you know, doing events and um, making people aware of outdoor safety and stuff like that. So, but once a month we have trainings, there's missions that come out. Um, I try to go on as many as I can, you know, depending on my availability and what's going on. Um, but yeah, we probably have missions once or twice a month right now, um, just for regular wilderness search or technical rock missions out in, we do, we don't service any of like the in-city parks. That's all Phoenix Fire Department does that, like Camelback Mountain and Piestoa Peak, which there's always tons of rescues on, um, Essential Arizona Mountain Rescue used to service those mountains back in like the eighties and nineties, but then it became like too busy, you know, volunteers couldn't keep up with the amount of rescues that were needed on those mountains. So Phoenix fire created their own technical rock teams or technical rescue teams. So now we just, we do all of Maricopa County, like the regional parks. So the superstitions, um, cave Creek regional park, the white tank, South mountain, like all those, Mm-hmm. big regional parks are kind of more remote areas. Right. And so folks who haven't lived in the Valley, g- give someone an idea of what one of those parks is like in terms of the vastness of it. Oh man. I would say the superstitions are probably our busiest area for rescues and it's just insanely rugged. I mean, it's thousands of acres of desert and, there, you know, there's no water out there. If there is, it's very few and far between. You're not, you're not in the middle of a city like you are when you're in the like Phoenix Preserve or anything like that. Um, and it's very easy to get too far, disoriented, not really know how far you've gone. You know, 
Um, and it's very technical, uh, technical, you know, rock climbing too. So it's, it's very rocky. It's lots of cactus, lots of, you know, wild animals, critters. It's, it's very rugged out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I remember when I first moved to Phoenix from Indiana, um, now I'm, I'm not from Indiana. It's just where I was right before I moved to Phoenix. Um, I'm from South Florida originally, which is even more different. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I remember, um, you know, I started a teaching job and one of my coworkers said, Hey, just be really careful in the, in the desert. He said, you know, all the time people just stop on the side of the road, just think they're going to go for a walk and never come back. And, um, uh -huh. I mean, I, I used to think that was way overblown until, you know, I lived there for 10 years and I realized, oh, well, yeah, <laughs> that, that happens. Um, you know, so, you know, so I, I was thinking about that, right. And a lot of what you do, and I, I know all the bad situations I've been in, in the wilderness have all been because I've made some bad choices and usually never like one really big, bad one. Um, mm -hmm. but usually a few, you know, smaller, bad ones that lead into something else. What, what would you say are some of the mistakes that you've seen people make the most that get them into a bad spot? Um, definitely I would say not having correct navigation, um, not having a solid GPS either on their phone or like a map or, um, any kind of something that where they can communicate with you know when they're out in kind of a remote area maybe they lose service um, that can really get you sideways pretty fast uh, and not have any idea of how to reach somebody and that can be really scary I think people who don't really have a plan I would say the majority of the rescues that we have out here are people from out of town they come out here and they research trails on like a popular app called all trails mm -hmm. and yes that is a great app but it's also um can be misleading because it can be edited by people who have just gone on the trail right so it's not maintained by any kind of nest like professional group you can put your comments on there and anyone can read them and get their own idea of how this trail is so it's very relative. And if you research a trail and it's very popular, five stars, um, and somebody writes, yeah, this was great. It was easy. It took me two hours. And really it's, you know, 3000 feet of elevation gain, <laughs> you know, it, it can be very misleading. You just don't know exactly what you're getting into. You just see a trail that looks beautiful in these pictures it's five miles. You think, oh, that'll take me a couple hours. No problem. You just don't really have a good plan and you don't know what you're getting into. Um, research, research where you're going. I mean, there, there's so many things I could say about that, but people, I, I would say just not being fully aware of what, what you're getting into and your own physical endurance, like knowing yourself knowing, okay, this says it's 2000 feet of elevation gain. What does that even mean? Like, maybe I don't even know what that means. Maybe I need to research that. Mm -hmm. Or if I, if I'm not super outdoorsy, I'm just, 
going to hike a mountain and you don't really understand kind of what that kind of gain means in a certain amount of miles that can be, you can get yourself into a bad situation, especially in Phoenix where the sun is very unrelenting and the heat and stuff. So it's mostly people who didn't plan and are from out of town and are not adapted to this type of weather out here. That's, that's probably 80% of our, of our rescues. Mm. So you said, you know, have a plan. What, what does a plan look like? Um, so no, tell somebody, I mean, the biggest thing I want to say is like, tell somebody where you're going and what time you're, you're planning on coming back. So, and that, that takes some research. So knowing, you know, how long you think this hike is going to take you, where you're going to be and what time you're going to be back. Um, and that's your plan. Let somebody know what that plan is. You should know the plan. You should know exactly where you're going. And you should know the area as best as you possibly can. Um, and be, you know, just communicate that with somebody that's not going with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I understand that one. Um, I don't know if I ever told you we got lost in the White Mountains once. Um, oh. Yeah, because we, we bought a book. Uh, that was like easy, easy hikes in, in Arizona or something like that. Oh. And, and Michelle and I used to backpack a lot. And, um, it, it said something like a 20 mile hike through the most beautiful place you've ever been. And, and that was kind of it. Like it was right next to, you know, a mile long hike nearby. And so we said, Oh, we, you know, we could do that in a couple of days. And, and, uh, thankfully we had told people where we would be and when we'd be back. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it actually wound up being sort of the saving grace to not continue on because we knew that if we didn't find a way back to where we came from, that people would be calling rescue anyway. And so, yeah, it was after that, that we bought a GPS unit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's, so, yeah. That, that's a, that's a big one. I mean, I do a lot of backpacking in the Grand Canyon, a lot of like more remote rugged trails that are not like the corridor trails and there's no service down there like you got to have a gps you got to have a way to communicate and you have to definitely tell somebody your plan where you're going to be what time and in those situations it's crucial that you stick to your plan you know <clears throat> that we are not way overdue on your time frame mm -hmm. yeah so, okay. GPS, right? Like that's, <laughs> we, I'm, I'm glad we both have the experiences to, to know that one. So, you know, for listeners, what else should people be carrying with them every time they go out into the wilderness? So the, what I love is this little 12 essentials guide that we use with central, central Arizona mountain rescue. And a lot of places use this too. Um, it's either the 10 essentials or the 12, 12 essentials. And it's just like a basic list of items you should always have with you. And I, I say this like loosely, but even when you're just going for a hike, maybe an hour or two, even in the middle of the city, I would take the majority of these things because you just never know. You just never know. And even if you're going for a little run and you think you're just going to be back in an hour you could fall and break your ankle. You know, you just don't know what's going to happen. And even if you're in the middle of the city, sometimes there's nobody around you there. You know, there's nobody 
that's within like a voice call or something, or you can't reach yourself or know your cell phone die, you know, things like that. So it's like, it's, I, I still feel like it's important. I'm just, that's a little caveat, <laughs> mm-hmm. but definitely for like extended day hikes or camping trips, I would say the 12 essentials. Um, and we can talk, I can chat through those. It's uh, navigation is the first one. So map or a compass, something like that knowing where you're going, um, sun protection, insulation. So like an extra layer or a jacket or something, um, illumination, a flashlight or a headlamp, first aid supplies. It can just be like a little very compact little first aid kit that just has kind of the basics, um, fire matches or a lighter. Uh, this one is, I think an extra repair kit and tools. So this would be like a multi-tool or something like that, or a pocket knife. Um, just, just in case you needed to do something with that. Um, nutrition, that's a huge one, extra food, calories, snacks, hydration, extra water, more than you think you'll need. Um, emergency shelter, that can be like a trash bag, even just something that you could put over yourself or a bivy, like uh, I know that you can get those pretty compact little bivies that um, you can put over yourself if needed. Uh, signaling, it's like a cell phone, a whistle, um, and then personal stuff. So like if you take a prescription that's crucial to your health, have that with you. Um, glasses, contacts, if you, I would say glasses, probably not contacts, don't bring that, but like if you need your glasses and you literally cannot see without them, bring those with you, <laughs> have an extra pair or something with you so that you don't get in a, in a bad situation without that. So those are like the, the big 12 right there. Awesome. And so, you know, I think water was a, a really important one and one that, um, you know, I hadn't thought about a lot coming from a place where there was a lot of water. If you're going to a place without easy access to water, at least, you know, readily available water, what are good recommendations for the amount of water that you should bring? Um, that is determined by your route and your mileage for sure. So if you are, I would say, try to drink between eight to 16 ounces of water an hour, that should be your goal. And if you're doing more strenuous hiking, that would be definitely 16 ounces. You don't want to be not drinking enough if you're doing something more strenuous. So like a lot of elevation gain, very technical, or you're carrying a really heavy pack where it's putting a little bit more exertion into your hike. But eight to 16 ounces an hour is kind of my go-to recommendation. Um, But all of that really depends on your route and your mileage. So you need to think about where you're going to be, where you're going, and how much water you're able to carry. Can you cache water somewhere for an extended trip? Uh, or are there places where you can refill? Uh, all good things to research and think about, especially in, in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I've i run into this with first aid especially, right? Is, you know, we've gone out with folks um, you know, and we'll say, Hey, did you bring the first aid kit? And they bring the first aid kit. And then we ask them something, you know, like someone's having an allergic reaction. And we're like, Hey, do you have, 
you know, um, hydrocortisone. And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> I grabbed the first aid kit. <laughs> right. And so we, you know, we've realized that it's really important to know how to use everything that you have. And so, mm. you know, I'm, I'm curious as you, you know, as you start to rescue more and more people, what would you say are some of the essential skills that people should have either related to that gear or otherwise to make sure that they're, they're safe in the wilderness? I mean, taking a wilderness first aid course is awesome. Um, it gets you very familiar with, uh, you know, the basic first aid, basic first aid supplies, knowing how to assess somebody who might be um, extremely dehydrated or potentially in a state of, you know, getting heat exhaustion, which can be fatal. Um, and knowing when to call 911, you know, all those different things. It's, I would say if you can, it's a two day course, typically, sometimes it's even one day if you can find one. Um, but there, if you're doing a lot of outdoor adventuring, I think a wilderness first aid course is worth it to me, um, if nothing else. Uh, I know I, I did take a wilderness survival course, which was just like a two hour night little course that I took at like my local hiking shack out here as well. And that was cool. Um, not as detailed as, you know, the wilderness first aid course, but it did go over a lot of the same, like, how do you survive if you're out there? But it was only two hours. So, you know, I, I think that taking a course is worth it if you're, if you're doing a lot of extended, um, adventuring. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I know you've been, you know, certified. It's not been a long time that you've done this, but I'm, I'm curious, have you had to put any of these skills into use, you know, in, in your own life? I guess maybe a better question is what's the scariest situation you've ever been in, in the wilderness? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, Ah, I have been in a couple tricky situations for sure. So, and now looking back, because most of these happened way before I was even involved in this, but um, one time I was doing a 25 mile loop around Humphreys and I completely misjudged how long it would take me. I ran out of water. I ran out of food. I, my battery died. I did not have a headlamp. Oh I was literally on the side of Humphreys up in Flagstaff. Luckily it was summer. It wasn't cold, but it was completely dark. I could barely see where I was going. I was super scared. I was just shouting the whole time, like yelling help. I couldn't get a hold of anybody. And eventually I did make it to my car, you know, by the grace of God, you know, I was, I never lost the trail, thankfully. I was able to stay on the trail, but that was, that was the scariest part. I was literally, I was out of calories and water for probably three hours and not in a good situation. Wow. Like if I had, if I had lost the trail at all, that would have been really bad. Um, I don't know what I would have done. I probably would have just like sat there until morning, you know, but I was very scared because there's bears out there and, you know, it's in the forest. So that was very scary. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, 
trying to think if there is something that was worse than that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I've been, I did do a hike last year and, oh gosh, maybe it was two years ago, but I went out into the Matazal wilderness out near Payson. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with that area. Um, this was again before I had done a lot of the the, wilderness, the first aid stuff and the wilderness stuff and the rescue stuff. So uh, I was preparing to do rim to rim to rim in the Grand Canyon. So I wanted to get like a big long hike. So this was going to be a 20 mile loop um, out in the Matazals. And I thought it was going to take me like five hours. I was going to be running a lot of it. And the trail was so overgrown that it took me nine and a half hours. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was out there in nine and a half hours. It was the daytime the whole time. So I was grateful for that. I had pl- plenty of calories and water. I was near a water source too. I was kind of hiking near a, a river, but I hated it. Like I hated that feeling of knowing that I had misjudged and that I was alone out there and I didn't have service either. I did have my, my little Garmin, um, in reach with me, thankfully, if I absolutely needed to call for like emergency, which I didn't, but you know, it just was not what I had planned. And I, I was not happy with myself for not really researching that area and knowing the conditions of what I was getting into. So, and then I wore shorts, which was stupid because there was so much cat claw out there. My legs were just shredded after (laughs) the end of that. So did not have my extra layer there, my insulation. So that was a bummer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, But outside of those two, I would say I haven't had anything too much worse than that personally. Um, The one in Humphreys was probably the worst. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, and I think, you know, what's so, or what stands out to me is that both of those situations were things that, you know, even in my mind, knowing the areas, I'm like, that, that shouldn't have, th- those aren't the worst things or the, the scariest places you could be going, right? Like when you talk about backpacking yeah. in the Grand Canyon or even in the superstitions, like that's, that that's real like danger up front, right? Like that, that registers that way. So what do you think it is about these, you know, seemingly easy situations that lure people in and then, you know, catch them off guard? I really think it's lack of planning, lack of research and lack of preparation. People don't know where, what they're getting into. They haven't taken the time to really research the area, research their route and, and do the necessary steps because it, it is a little bit more effort to do that. It is a little bit more effort to make sure you've got all the little things just in case, you know? And I think as a society, we're very into like, well, that's what this website said. So that's easy. I'm just going to go do it and trust this. Um, and not really take the time to, to do the things to research it. Like I, and I think it just gets people into a bad situation. They don't, they don't know what they're getting into, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you could go back to yourself before that Humphreys trip, 
what what advice would you give yourself? You know, what 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 could you have done differently? Well, the first thing I would have done differently is not stray from my plan. So my plan originally was just to go up to the saddle of I had gone up the Weatherford Trail and I was just going to do an out and back. And I ran into a guy who was doing the loop. He was running it and he was like, oh, yeah, you could totally do the loop. No problem. And I just changed my plan last second. Mm -hmm. Thinking no big deal. And I really didn't know where I was going, you know, so I would have definitely not changed my plan. I would have stuck to my plan and I would have been fine. I would have made it back with light and food and calories and everything like it wouldn't have been a, a problem um but because i changed my route last second that just messed the entire day up mm -hmm. and added like five more hours onto my run <laughs> that i wasn't planning right so sticking to your plan like kind of like what you and michelle were doing you know like you got lost but then you were you had told people where you were, you were going to be and what time. And it's like, no, we got to stick to our plan. We can't just, you know, mm -hmm. be a day late or be nine hours late. People are going to get worried. Yeah. Yeah. So also I would have told somebody where I was. Nobody knew where I was. <laughs> yeah. That, that <laughs> helps too. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. I mean, telling people, I even do that when I'm going because, you know, I'm single woman living in Phoenix and I, I do a lot of solo hiking. I do a lot of solo running and solo adventuring. I always tell somebody where I'm going, even if it's just, I'm going up Shaw Butte for an hour and a half tonight, you know, like it's a neighborhood mountain, but I'm, I'm a, I'm a woman at night going on a trail. Like it's still, and even a man, I think it's good to know, like, just tell somebody, tell your buddy, tell your mom, Tell mm -hmm. your roommate, you know, just tell somebody where you're going to be and what time you plan on being home. Yep. Yeah. Now, honestly, even now I think about going out into one of the city mountains at night in Phoenix. I'm like, I don't know if I'd do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That it does kind of, it, it takes a little bit of getting used to, to be out there alone at night. But. Yeah. Oh my and gosh. I wouldn't just tell anybody to go do that, obviously. Um, I've had people ask me like, well, what trail should I go to at night? And I'm like, look, this is my, all my advice for sure. Every time is like, get really comfortable with these trails during the day. So, you know, exactly where you are, you know, every turn, you know, every rock. Right. And then you can do that trail at night. Cause you know where you are. You don't have any issue knowing the area, you know, all the trails, like, I would never attempt to do a trail that I've never done during the day or I'm not very familiar with during the day at night ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not in the Phoenix area anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not, I mean, I don't think I'd do it anywhere, hopefully, but especially in Phoenix. I mean, there's, yeah. For, you know, so people who don't live in Phoenix, just, you know, there, there are a lot of, interesting characters in Phoenix. Um, you know, it's who, a huge city. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's very diverse. That's yes. For sure. <laughs> yes. And of, oftentimes they, some of the 
less savory folks can find themselves in the parks, you know, or, or, you know, off the, off the main drag. So yes, yes. Agreed. Yeah. Worth, worth, uh, worth listening to that bit of caution there. If you're, if you're, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I was thinking about the, the Humphreys trip, right. And Mm -hmm. so let's say someone does get like legitimately lost or stranded or injured. How does someone go about getting rescued? Well, it depends. So if you have service on your phone and you are for sure lost, you don't have any idea where you are and you're like, okay, it's time to call 911. You call 911 and you try to get a call out. Um, hopefully you also have like a, if you're in a remote area, you have like a, a, a Garmin uh, inReach, which is like a satellite GPS. Uh, it doesn't need service. It is a subscription-based product, though, so you have to be subscribed to it and pay like a annual or monthly fee or something. Um, but you can send a, like an SOS from that device, and that will go to the 911 operator as well. Uh, then the county steps in. So however you end up getting that 911 call out, uh, the county will will be directed to send their search and rescue teams out for you. Let's say you don't have any devices. You just hope that you that somebody knows that you're overdue and they call you in. So if you've been gone for way longer than you need to, hopefully you've told somebody, hey, I'm supposed to be back at 6 a.m. It's 6 p.m. Still not back. They're definitely calling and saying, hey, I've got an overdue my brother is out there. He's been, he's overdue and they'll send somebody out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how it generally works. It's usually an overdue hiker or a 911 call has, has come in. So, well, Nina, this has been fantastic. If people want to learn more about, you know, what you do, or if someone would like to become a rescuer, what can they do? Where should they go? Um, so typically most cities do operate with volunteer search and rescue groups through the county. Uh, so I would say jump on the internet, Google it, see what you've got in your own area. If you are in the Phoenix area, uh, Maricopa County area, we the group I'm involved with is called Central Arizona Mountain Rescue. Um, you can go to mountainrescue.org and Central Arizona Mountain Rescue will pop up there and they've got lots of information on how to get involved on the recruiting process. Um, And then we also do have a monthly meeting, um, which is how I ended up jumping in. And every Tuesday, first Tuesday of the month, we meet at the North Mountain Visitor Center at 6.30 p.m. And we talk about the month's missions. We talk about upcoming events. And then after that, there's like a 20-minute little informational for anybody new who is just curious about getting involved and what that looks like um, right after the meeting. So someone will meet with like a little group of people and give them all the details. You can get on an email list for how, you know, to, to get more information as well. So um, yeah. So yeah, Google, 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 because Google is usually (laughs) how people find us. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Hey, thank you so much, Nina. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Russ.